Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable podcast. I'm your host today, standing in for Kev. Um, you can get us on the show on Twitter at EPL Roundtable or email us EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Uh, today I'm only joined by one guest, so I'll let Sam introduce himself. Thanks, Jake. Uh, good to be back on the pods. My name's Sam Karp. I'm a Crystal Palace fan. I occasionally write for the Eagles Beak and I'm also the deputy editor of Sports Pro. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Sam double underscore carp. Uh, thanks, Sam. We'll get into the topic for today. I think we'll start with the, the big match of, of the weekend, which turned out to be, uh, I think it was a good first half and it sort of like uh, just uh, fizzled out in the second half and it ended as a one-all draw between Manchester City and Liverpool. Um, just wanted to know what you thought of the game and, and do you think that these two are, are still the favourites for the title or do you think there could be any outside um, surprises from outside those two clubs? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm not. I'm not sure we're any closer to knowing after that. I think, I think what we can draw from the game, or at least the first half, as you said, which was played at a pretty unbelievable intensity, is that Liverpool and City are still the best two teams in the league when they're on top of their game, um, and when they reach the level that they did in that first 45. I don't think, I don't think other teams in the division are capable. Of um, on paper, you'd have to say that Liverpool maybe just about have the edge, and they'll certainly probably be the happier of the two. With, with that result today, as they, you know, they don't have the best record that the FE had in recent times. Um, you know, Van Dijk is obviously irreplaceable for them, but they've had the better start to the season. And I think City feel like the more likely of the two to drop points in, in games you'd expect them to maybe win. Um, but you know, with that with that being said, City still have Aguero's come back, plus Laporte and Diaz look like they're maybe in the early stages of forming partnership, which is something City have lacked in recent years. So, so you never know, but. You know, if you, if you look at the table now, after I guess we've had a quarter of the games, we're, we're not seeing Liverpool and City set a pace and pull away like they have done in the last two seasons. So, you know, I do think if there were ever a if there were ever a season though we might have a surprise winner, then then this could perhaps be it. Um, you know, I mentioned Van Dijk and we saw Alexander Arnold go off today. Um, injuries, fitness are going to play a big part this season more than ever before. The schedule is extremely congested. Players aren't going to be getting arrest because we're still trying to catch up after the COVID suspension so you know it really is quite unpredictable um, it's almost tempting to say that it might even be an advantage for teams to get knocked out of European competitions early if they have aspirations of winning the league um, I think in terms of outsiders the two most obvious challenges for me at the moment look like being possibly Chelsea and maybe even Spurs you know they've, they've both built really impressive squads and that's what teams are going to need this year a big squad with with quality to call on when we inevitably pick up knocks and, and get injured because of that congestion that I just mentioned. Um, you know, after an unconvincing start to the season, Chelsea's new signings look like they're settling in. 
Lampard appears to be making them a little bit more solid defensively as well. Um, the addition of Thiago Silva looks like a pretty shrewd addition. Uh, for Spurs, you could argue that outside of Liverpool, they're now the best front three in the league. And, you know, they're showing this season that they can grind out results, which is something we haven't necessarily associated with them in the past. Um, you know, I've seen some people laugh them off as title contenders, but it would be a very Jose Mourinho thing to do to answer those that have been saying he's passed it by winning by winning the thing this year. Um, you know, and then you look at others up there at the moment. Uh, Southampton have been brilliant to watch, but I don't think their fans will be insulted by me saying that they probably won't be in the title picture at the end of the season. Um, then Leicester, they've impressed again. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up after after they faded away a little bit at the back end of last season. But I think they'll perhaps be thinking more about getting into that top four than maybe winning the title. So, you know, to your question, I said I said at the start of the season, I think Liverpool, I think Liverpool will win the league without running away with it like they did last year. Um, I do still believe that, but I think there is every chance, and I think there's been some early evidence to suggest that you know we we may well have an unexpected winner this year. Yeah, it's been um, an odd start to the season, and uh, you know there's probably more questions than answers coming out of that um, game today. Um, I was I was the opposite of you, and I thought at the start of the season that City would go on to win the league. Um, I thought that they'd bounce back, but they've just been a little bit underwhelming for me. I think um, they've only scored 10 goals in their seven matches. So uh, if you're looking at the league table, you'll see that uh, Sam's Palace have more goals, albeit in one more match. But still, that is uh, quite an <laughs> indictment of the uh, Manchester City attack. They just don't seem to be scoring as many goals or creating as many clear chances um, as they usually do. I think that's the one thing you normally rely on City for. And even if they had a, a somewhat ropey defence that, they used to score enough that you think they would win games. Um, they're just not doing that at the moment. Obviously, against Sheffield United, they only scored once. Against Leeds, they only scored once. They only scored once today. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a worry for them, I think. And, and, and I'm sure it will improve. I think Jesus looked quite good today. I think having him back is going to help. Uh, De Bruyne is still slowly working up his way up to fitness. And he, he hasn't had a game that he's been completely on it yet for me. But it's the fact that he's in the team and, and seems to be building up fitness is only a positive but yeah I thought that they probably needed to win today for, for me to go out all out on City so yeah I think I, I agree that it could be a, a surprising win or at least we're going to see quite a few teams near the top of the table until at least um, January February time Spurs obviously got a good win today they seem to be grinding out results and they've got a front three that, that will score goals um, Chelsea seem to have fixed their defensive problem um, but yeah it, it, you know it, it's difficult I don't look at any team and think they're definitely going to win it yet. And, and I think that's good for the Premier League. We've also got Leicester up there as well. But I think with the Europa League, that they might struggle uh, as the, the weeks go on, especially before the Christmas period. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the teams in Europe deal with that. But I just thought I'd, I'd ask for your thoughts on Pep's comments after the game about how he, he thinks that we should be allowed five um, substitutes in the league this year, like a lot of the European leagues have... have uh, kept on for this season, uh, citing a, a lot of soft tissue injuries. We saw Trent go off with one today in the game. Um, it's a bit of an odd comment from Pep because I don't think he's used his three subs in, in all matches this year anyway. But uh, do you think that, that that is something that the Premier League perhaps should have implemented? And do you think it, it, we will see, the I guess, the damages of that over the next couple of months? Um, well, the th you know, the thing is, I think I'm not surprised to see Pep... Um, bring it up because you know every every Premier League side had a vote uh, when they sort of came to decide whether to keep 
five substitutions rule and naturally each team was kind of going to have their own motive uh, whether to whether to keep that or not and I think what ultimately happened is that the um, the teams lower down in the table voted no and the teams that are higher up in the table voted yes because naturally the teams towards the top are the ones competing on multiple fronts this year um, you know I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mentioned it in his post-match conference yesterday albeit slightly different given that United were playing uh, in Turkey on Wednesday night and then were for some reason the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday which you know he has, I think he has a point there but um, so yeah I don't, I don't think it's a surprise to see the bigger sides complaining about it already um, for the teams lower down the table I don't think it makes as much of a difference um, you know those teams higher up naturally have bigger squads more quality to call on off the bench and if you are a Crystal Palace, a Newcastle, um, it's in your own interests not to want City or Liverpool to be able to bring on more of those fresh players um, because it's it's more likely they're going to be able to impact the game. So um, I do see Pep's point in a way. Um, I think we are going to see a lot more injuries this year because of the congestion, but that is the way it is. And the Premier League is a competition dominated by self-interest and Everyone in that vote at the start of the season would have very much voted in their own interests. And I think um, the small club, well, I say the small clubs, again, the, the teams lower down the table would have been kind of protecting themselves going into the season and looking at what have been what would have been the most likely to benefit them uh, in those games against the top clubs. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not surprised to see Pat moaning about it. But uh, at the same time, I think it's something that was kind of inevitably going to happen. Yeah, it... It's a tough balance because I think this is probably one of the things that fueled the recent Project Big Chick, uh, Picture talks because uh, the big clubs didn't get this one through. And I think even at the time, even though I do support Newcastle, I did think that we should have kept it on for another season just because of the amount of football that we're playing in such a short amount of time. Even 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 the teams not in Europe are playing a lot, a lot more football than they usually would. Uh, there was that period with the, the Carabao Cup and I know Newcastle had three games in that period um, and it was like two games a week and, and it seemed worse if you're in Europe like we saw Spurs have I think it was like four games in eight days at one point so I think it, it would have been fair enough to keep on for this year but I can see why the, the smaller clubs haven't I think it's in their self-interest um, you're more likely to get a few more shock results that we've seen already this year um, but I, th- I think it's only going to heat up this uh, debate over the next couple of months because I'm sure we'll get more and more injuries sort of like Alexander Arnold picked up today it looked like one that was a that was probably due to the amount of games he's been playing recently um just it was quite innocuous he, he sort of went off uh went down off the ball and it de- wasn't at the impact injury so I think we're going to see a few more of those and uh, unfortunately for Liverpool they're, they're being hit hard at the moment in the injury front especially at the back but um I'm sure other teams will get it as well but yeah I can I, I can see Pep's point I just don't think that it was ever going to get passed in the Premier League because of the the voting system. I think in in European leagues that the clubs don't have as much of a say as they do uh, in this country. So yeah, it's, it's one that the 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 bigger clubs are just going to have to deal with. And I guess it's it's strange for the bigger clubs to be suffering in a way that that others aren't. But that, that's that's where we are with this. Um, but I mean, I'll just move on. To... <laughs> Sorry, and you say you know you say they're suffering, but at the same time they've got they've got the squads to cope. I mean, I thought you look at today. Uh, Gomez and Matip still look pretty accomplished for Liverpool even in that second half when City were piling on the pressure. I don't really think they conceded many chances despite the absence of Van Dijk, um, Alexander-Arnold going off. You see James Milner uh, coming on a player with many with several Premier League titles and 
others to go with it. So, you know, I can see why they're upset and I do have some sympathy with them, but they definitely have the quality and the strength and depth to, to cool upon players. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree there. I think that we, we've seen that with Liverpool. They've called, called upon two centre-backs in recent weeks that have come in from the youth team and, and look like they'd, or at least have, have played a lot more football at other Premier League clubs, even in their youth teams and, and the inexperienced players. They've got a lot of talent. So, yeah, uh, I, I do agree with that. And uh, although they would have benefited most from the uh, the five subs, they're also most likely to to be able to cope with not having it. So and dealing with a few more injuries. So yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a double edged sword. But um, just move on to the next topic now. And this was an interesting thing that uh, I, I think I read on on the Athletic this weekend about um, how not having fans in the stadium might be causing the, the lack of managerial movement. We haven't had a, a Premier League managerial second yet. Um, and we, we haven't really had one throughout the lockdown. I think Nigel Pearson went, um, but there hasn't been a lot of, of speculation either. There was the recent things about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but I, I talk about Newcastle now. And I think if fans were in the stadium, there'd be a little bit more heat on Steve Bruce for the, the style, style of play he's going forward with and some of the decisions he's making. I think that not having fans there is definitely giving managers more time. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on whether you think that that is actually uh, true this season or do you think it's a byproduct of the, the financial, I guess, um, financial issues coming out of of COVID and that clubs don't really want to be paying out millions of pounds to, to sack a manager if they don't really have to. Maybe they, they, they're more likely just to, to stick out the season and, and give managers more time because it, I think the average man, um, Premier League Manage, managerial reign it has increased in the last couple of years so it does seem to be a trend that was picking up before COVID but certainly now I just don't really see any managerial speculation like we used to. Yeah it is an interesting one I hadn't I hadn't really thought of it so I've been sort of looking at the table and trying to sort of place which teams are sort of performing out of line with their expectations um, which naturally would kind of lead to a manager coming under pressure and I'm not sure there are too many um, you know, I've just been talking about Solskjaer and um, there certainly has been, been a lot of speculation about his job in the last couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, I think there are a few factors to this. You know, you look at it, you look at who might have been the most under pressure managers coming into this season. You'd probably have said Roy Hodgson at Palace after the winless run at the end of last year. Um, I think it would be fair to say Steve Bruce at Newcastle, as, you, as you've just mentioned there. You know, as you say, I know a lot of your fans don't don't enjoy the way the team plays under him and his job does always seem to be under the microscope um and then possibly David Moyes at West Ham as well might have been one that have thrown into that category just because a lot of people didn't expect them to start the season well after the stuff that went on in the summer with the owners um but you know each of those managers have had reasonable starts the season in terms of results uh, and I think in in line with kind of what their expect what the expectations of them will have been from from their owners so so I don't think there's been reason to speculate about them. Uh, then as you look further down the table, you know, the bottom two at the moment are Sheffield United and Burnley. Um, you know, normally perhaps after eight games, the, man- the, the managers of the teams in the bottom two places would be under pressure. But I think I think Sean Dyche and Chris Wilder are two guys, you know, they've been at those clubs long enough to, to have earned the trust to turn the fortunes of those two teams around, which is which is why I don't think there will have been as much speculation about them. Um, and then you have your promoted side, you know, Leeds have done pretty well and I don't think there will ever be speculation about Bielsa losing his job and then then Fulham and West Brom are probably doing just about 
what everyone will have expected from them. Um, so, you know, I think those are some of the reasons we've not seen much speculation about managers getting the sack, um, because I think most are more or less living up to the expectations that, that they will have been set at the start of the season. You know, maybe maybe playing behind closed doors is kind of making a difference. You know, the owners don't have that fan reaction to go off. Um, but I think, you know, supporters are just as able at letting their clubs know when they're unhappy with their manager over social media these days as they are. Um, as they are when they are in the stadium, I think, you know, even more so now perhaps that we've, well, mind you, not necessarily with the pay-per-view, but everyone's kind of watching every game at the moment because there isn't as much to do. So, you know, whether it's, uh, I'm not, I'm not convinced by the argument that it's because of games being played behind closed doors. I do think, I do think that a lot of managers in the league are performing as we will have expected them to this year. Um, and yeah, they're definitely, as I say, there definitely are different mediums through which fans um, are able to express their anger when their team's not performing well these days. Yeah, it is an interesting one. I, I, I do agree to, to an extent. Um, if you do look at the table, you, you think that if Palace and Newcastle are in the position of Burnley and, and Sheffield United, it might be slightly different in, in the speculation about their, their respective managers because I don't think Burnley could get a, a manager better than, than Sean Dyche. He just seemed perfect for the club and he's always, you know, uh, got them to to perform above their means on such a consistent basis. So it would be harsh to sack them after one poor run, and, and Chris Wilder is taking them up from League One. So again, that's, interestingly for me, I think those two teams have probably have suffered for not having fans in the stadium most. I think you think of the type of football they play, the type of players they have. I think they they benefit from the atmosphere and the and and the crowd being in the stadium. Like. Um, I'd maybe include Palace and Newcastle to that in that as well to an extent, but I think with Newcastle sometimes the crowd can have a negative impact that that maybe by not being there is a is a positive. But yeah, for those two clubs, it, I think if if there were other clubs in that position, we might see a little bit more managerial speculation. But I agree, I don't think there's a manager in the Premier League at the moment that I think it, it, it's so obvious he has to go. Whereas we have had that in in previous years. Um, the only one is Solskjaer, but you know he, the club seems to back him so much, and I think even the, the the supporters back him as well. I don't think there would be that outcry for him to lose his job yet, uh, especially after the the recent results in Champions League and the win over Everton. It, it, there does seem to be an ability to pick up a result when he needs it most. So, be an interesting one to follow as we progress through the season. I think that we'd definitely see fewer managerial seconds, but um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one to follow. Um, yeah, we'll move into talking about Palace and Newcastle now. I guess that we're the only ones here. So, at the start of Palace, it was a, a good win at the uh, good win at the weekend, beating Leeds. Um, what we what are your thoughts on the the match? And we surprised to see Palace score four goals. I think that was the main thing that I took away from it. Thinking, God, if Leeds have let four to Palace, I think they're going to be conceding a lot of goals this year. Yeah, definitely surprised on that front. I think it was um, first time we scored three goals in the first half. Uh, of a game since we played Bournemouth on the last day of the 2018-19 season I think it was so it's been a while since that happened and I think prior to yesterday we only scored more than one once at home in 2020 um, obviously there haven't been as many games in 2020 as there would be in a usual year because of Covid but um, still kind of an interesting stat and sort of speaks to what you were saying a little bit concerning if you're a Leeds fan but I do I do think that that's kind of the sort of game that Leeds tend to create. Um, they sort of, they 
they've been great to watch this season, but they just, you know, they draw it out of teams. Even teams like Palace, who typically sit back a little bit more, um, they, you know, they they want to go toe to toe. They commit players forwards, and they sort of turn it into a bit of a basketball match. Um, and if I'm being honest, I think that's almost perfect for Palace. Um, and it certainly felt sort of like that sort of basketball feel in, in the first half. We we actually started on the front foot, which surprised me a little bit, and obviously went in front through a good Scott Dan header. Um, obviously, Bamford's disallowed goal was a bit of a farce, so felt a bit fortunate there. But I think, you know, as I say, Leeds do have a way of creating these end-to-end open games. So when we were 2-1, 3-1 up, you never sort of felt like they were out of it. And that's why I think our second-half performance in particular impressed me so much, you know. We really did kind of revert to type at that point. Um, we looked solid defensively, didn't allow them any clear-cut chances, and dangerous side on the counter, and you know created the better chance in that second half, and and were able to find that fourth goal to kill it off. So, you know, in in a way, it was kind of Roy Hodgson at his best. Um, but I think yesterday's performance was sort of vindication for Palace fans in a way who, though, well, those Palace fans who have been calling. For us to be a little bit more expansive because I think we do have the players to do so you know there's been a lot said about our possession stats this season I think we're averaging somewhere in the mid to late 30s um, and our approaching games against against Chelsea Brighton and Wolves in particular has been really really negative and that sort of started to grate on the fan base a little bit so you know I think yesterday proved that with the players we've got you know Yazahas, Yutanzens, Eze, Ayu uh, and that's without mentioning the likes of Batshuayi, Benteke, who are on the bench. Um, we should be a little b- bit more ambitious in the way we play because, you know, we are more than capable of giving teams problems and scoring goals. Um, not every team is perhaps going to give us as much as much space as as Leeds did, and games aren't going to be. Uh, not every game is going to be as open as the one yesterday. But you know, I think I think we can try to be, we can try to play a little bit more on the front foot because we certainly do have the players in the squad to do that. Yeah, you mentioned the, the the recruitment, I guess, and that you knew you now have players to play a little bit more offensive. Um, do you think that you are starting to see that? Do you think that um, you're now starting to to settle on a, a more attacking style? Or I mean, under Hodgson, it's always going to be somewhat pragmatic. But you know, with Eze, Zaha, and Batshuayi as well, you've got players there that, that can be genuinely exciting. Do you think that we are going to see Palace score more goals now? And do you think that? That there has been a slight change in style, or is it just the same system with better players? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I think it's more of 
the latter, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's been a bit of a weird one this season because we've we've accumulated a decent points total without really setting the world alight or or reaching our best. But as you say, that is kind of that is life under Hodgson. Um, I think I think people pointed out before Saturday's game that we were level on points with Leeds, and you know the way people have praised Leeds this season, you'd have probably you you might have thought that they'd be way out in front of us, but that does kind of really speak to the difference in approach. You know, we haven't we haven't set up to be more attacking this year, I don't think. Um, as, I, as I alluded to before, the way we set up at home to Brighton, um, away to Wolves was really disappointing, away to Chelsea as well. You know, you're not going to Stamford Bridge expecting to win, but we kind of set up in a way that we've gone there for a nil-nil. And I think whenever a team does that, the inevitability is that eventually someone makes a, def- makes a mistake and you can see the goal and you've got no plan B to go to. So that's kind of, that's been the frustration this season, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we should be really living in fear of teams this season. Um, we've been quite, we've, we've been quite negative, but we do have the players now to play in a different way. So hopefully, hopefully, what we saw yesterday will have given Hodgson a little bit more confidence that he can be a little bit more open in his approach. Um, because we showed in the second half as well that once we do get a lead, we still have that ability to. To be compact, to to kind of you know go back to what we're good at, and also hit teams on the counter. Um, so yeah, I think I think new players coming in has helped. I think it's also you know sparked a couple of the players that have been there for a few years into action, just having that added competition. Um, and I think a crucial thing yesterday actually was uh, was the fullbacks. Uh, Patrick Van Arnholt was picked up quite a serious injury at the end of last season, and Tyrek Mitchell came in, and, and Mitchell's been really good uh, i think a lot of people have had them had had him in a had him in their fantasy team because he's just been quite a cheap solid choice but um as good as he has been kind of defensively he's just not the same player going forwards you know van arnholt while his principal job is to defend he is such a big attacking threat uh, he is a goal threat as well and he links up with zaha superbly um so i think when you add in the fact that he's back we've also strengthened at right back with nathaniel klein coming in uh, Nathan Ferguson as well, who's out injured at the moment, but you know more attack-minded fullbacks. Also, we're starting to see this team, this squad, take a little bit more shape. And you know, when everyone is fit, I think it it is certainly a team which has a lot more attacking potential than it has shown um, perhaps in recent times. Yeah, you mentioned Zaha there. Um, it's it's interesting watching him this year, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts because I haven't watched every Palace game this year, but. For me, I think there's been a change in his attitude. Um, I think after the the 2018-19 season, where he got 10 goals, five assists, and he was, you know, man of the match nearly every every other week. And it felt like then he he thought it was the time to move on and maybe go to a a bigger club or test himself in, in European competition. It didn't quite happen for for one reason or another. Um, and then last year there was a little bit of a decline. He, he had a period around Christmas time where he was really good, but. He didn't look quite the same player, but this year it's been a, a complete change for him. He, he's already matched his goals and assists from from last season. Uh, one more goal, one one fewer assists, but I'm sure they're both going to improve significantly uh, over the coming months. Um, penalties have helped him a little bit, but I think there's just been a change in his in his approach a little bit. He doesn't seem as sulky as he was last season. Do you, do you have you seen that as a fan? And, and do you think that he is now, I guess, applying himself in in the right way and maybe not? Um, playing for the move because um, I, I think if he had played like this last season as well he probably he might have got a move but I, I think he's getting to the point now where maybe he sees 
himself being at Palace for for the long term and, and being the talismanic figure for Palace might not be such a bad thing, especially with the players coming in, that there is a little bit more of vibrant football and he won't be expected to do everything on his own. We saw Eze at the weekend do quite well and I think he's only going to improve. Batshuayi coming in hasn't quite done much yet in this loan spell. We, we saw what he could do a couple of years ago um, and, and we've seen what he can do for Belgium as well. So I'm sure he will come good in the next few months. Um, so yeah, it does seem to be a better place to be for Palace, but I just think there has been a change in attitude from Zaha. So I'd be interested to get your thoughts on him and where you think maybe he will be in the next couple of uh, couple of years. Definitely, there's been a change in his attitude. I think um, you know he's <laughs> he came into last season just completely on the back of a horrendous transfer saga, where you know he almost sort of jeopardised his relationship with the fans in a sense by handing in that transfer request on on deadline day. Um, you know, but having said that, you know the amount that he's done for us, I don't think Palace fans are ever going to kind of put him in the bad books. But um, you know, this year it just looks completely like. It just looks like he's enjoying his football again. Um, last season, there just did seem to be a kind of overriding frustration that he hadn't got a move, that he wasn't playing at a higher level, um, and that he was kind of, you know, still in a team that ultimately is beneath him. Um, you know, Palace fans know that very well that Zahar is too good for us. He is good enough to play at a higher level. Um, and I think a lot of Palace fans wouldn't begrudge him the opportunity to do that. You know, I personally have said for the last couple of seasons that I'd as much as I miss watching him play for us every week, um, there is part of me that would love to see what he can go and achieve elsewhere and what he would be like in, in European competition. Um, so I can only imagine what that's like for him, knowing that he is good enough for that level and not being able to prove it. Um, but I think, yeah, this season he's just kind of accepted the situation. Uh, the, the thing that's just always held him back from a move is that he signed that five-year contract with us. Um, you know he's not earning he's not earning an insignificant amount of money, but that five-year contract is essentially what has been his undoing in a way, um, because it's meant that Palace have been able to demand the fee that they have, knowing that there's still so long left to run on that contract. Um, so, so yeah, I think essentially the the past transfer window just didn't have as much drama as the one before, so his head just hasn't been turned in the same way that it was. I'm not even sure that. It doesn't even sound like there was as much interest shown in him as, as previously, like you said, coming off the back of a poor season. So I think he's realised that the best way to talk now is just to do so on the pitch. And, you know, you mentioned there that he wasn't particularly great last season. I think he's already reminded everyone this year that he certainly is one of the best players outside of the top six. Um, and in doing that, he is going to sort of draw up that interest again. And, you know, if you ask me about the next two years, he's in his late 20s now so if you're looking at it you'd have to say that this January next summer would probably be the one where he does need to get that move if he is going to sort of be playing at that level at his peak um I personally don't think he'll go in January I think there's a higher chance of him going next summer uh there'll be less time to run this contract obviously at that point I think it's going to be two years maybe um so obviously the club if they want to recuperate some sort of some sort of money that they can reinvest in the squad, then that would be the time to sell. Um, but yeah, no, really, really happy with him this season. It's just kind of been him back to his best. He frustrated on a few occasions last year, perhaps didn't look as in it as he always has done. But this year, I don't think anyone can doubt his commitment. Um, and, you know, perhaps seeing the ambition that the club has shown in the transfer market has also, has also kind of 
helps him a little bit and some of those fresh faces coming in um being surrounded by a little bit more quality maybe than he was previously um so yeah and i think that's been reflected in his form so yeah it's been great to see it's always it's always nicer to see zaha playing with a smile on his face than when he's sort of series and whatnot so yeah no really pleased with the way that he's been performing this season yeah, I think there's definitely been an improvement and, and Palace are only going to benefit from that, even if it is for the short term. But I, I think at his age now, bigger clubs may be reluctant to, to spend as, as much as Palace would want. So it might just be that he stays at Palace. Which I don't think it, it would be a bad thing for him. There will be some regrets maybe in the future, but you, playing for playing for one club for the majority of your career and being remembered as a, a legend can, can never be a bad thing. But... Um, yeah. I think now we'll talk about some Newcastle. If you want to, got any questions for me about uh, Steve Bruce's mighty man, this will be the uh, perfect time. Yeah, I know. I mean, um, obviously, you guys were down at an informed Southampton on Friday. Um, you know, with the form that they're in, I'm not sure many people were expecting you to, to go down there and cause an upset. But, you know, after, after such a positive performance and result against Everton, was it still, was it still a, bit, a little bit disappointing to see, see the performance that was turned in? Yeah, it was it was a little bit. I think um, we played quite well against Everton. Uh, I think we were helped by the amount of players that they were missing, but it was still a good performance. And that's the problem with with Newcastle under Steve Bruce. I, mean, I, I spoke about him a little bit earlier um, when we were talking about managers uh, and maybe not being judged in the stadium as, as they were before. And I think that's especially true for Bruce. I think if you're an outsider looking in, you look at the results, you look at the the position of the table, you might look see when the Carabao Cup quarter final and think that Bruce is doing a a solid enough job and I think if you're looking at if all you looked at were, were tables and results he would be but if you look at any deeper stats and, and look at the performances there's, there's just such a trend that that ha- you have to be concerned about you we spoke about Paris and, and your style um you know that with Hodgson you're, you're not going to concede many goals you're not going to be cut open um three four times a game and and that was true for us as well under Benitez. It didn't happen often. We would never lose four or five nil. It just wouldn't happen. Um, but with Bruce, I think we, last year, I think Dubravka made more saves than any other goalkeeper. This year, Caldalo's made more saves than any other goalkeeper. It's, that's a worrying trend, you know. Even if some of the chances haven't been great, I think Southampton didn't create too many things, too many clear-cut chances. It's just if you're conceding so many shots, inviting if you're inviting your opposition to have all the territory and all, all the shots, you're not going to win many games. It, it, and I think some of the games we have won, we've been a little bit fortunate. Um, you know, the, the game against Spurs was, was case in point. We got a point there, controversial handball decision, and we must have conceded t- somewhere between 25 and 30 shots. It was, it was ridiculous. It, it's just not pleasant watching the team. Um, but there just seems to be that point of Bruce where it's difficult to see what his plan is. Um, he shifts between five at the back and four at the back. He shifts players, he shifts formations. This looks like he's he's trying so many things and seeing what sticks. And he, and you'd hope after a positive performance against Wolves, I thought, thought we looked solid there. And we weren't conceding too many chances. It, it looks a little better. We weren't great in too much either. But, you know, you start from a solid foundation, you build there. We've got counter-attacking players. You know, the pace of Almer on the St. Maxima. Um, Callum Wilson's movement he, he gets so many he, he he's the type of striker that will, will find a way to have a decent chance even if he doesn't have much service he i've been really impressed with his movement this year and he's, he's added a focal point that we we were lacking so i think we'll be fine but it's just difficult to get behind bruce and it's difficult to see what he's trying to do and he keeps talking about how it's a work in progress but 
you know, it, it can only be so long for it to be a work in progress. You know, he, they've brought in a lot of players for him. It's not like he's working with a squad of players that aren't his. He's, he's approved of a lot of the transfers. So it's, it's getting to the point now where I just want to see the team go out and have a plan. You know, if we played like Palace, I think that would, that would be perfectly fine. I'd, that's probably what we should we should aspire to at the moment with the the players we have. Wolves are another one. You know, they play uh, five at the back with wing backs, but with Wolves you see a little bit more. Um, you can see what their game plan is. You see you see them press a little bit more. You see them push up a little bit more. Whereas with Newcastle, it just seems like we are just regularly just letting the opposition do what they want. And, and the game the game happened to us at Southampton. We didn't hmm. do anything to stop what was happening. It just sort of happened to us. We were getting pressed. Up all the time conceding conceding the, the possession in our own half and it, we we should have went down to Southampton and thought they've got Danny Ings out. This is our chance to go there and and start quickly, make them a little bit, you know, nervous to be missing Danny Ings and and, and restrict their attack from, from having time on the ball in the final third. But we just didn't do that and we just it was quite easy for them in the end. So it's a disappointing one. Um in a decent position in the table, I think we're on a. I think we might be on the same amount of points as Leeds, or, or have one more. I'm not completely sure, but I think we're, we're in a similar position to Leeds. So you know, you mentioned that earlier, how much praise they've been getting. So if we're on the same amount of points, um, we're doing all right, and I think we'll stay up. I think that we've got enough players and, and enough quality to, to stay up. But we seem to to win matches where we need to win. So I think we'll be fine, especially as you know we've already picked up uh, three wins already, and we're. Um, and you're looking down at Sheffield United and, and Burnley who haven't done that and, and Fulham and West Brom just don't seem to be good enough for this level. So I think we'll be all right, but it's just diff- it's just not much enthusiasm watching the team at the moment, which which is difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned sort of aspiring to play like Palace, which I'm not sure I've heard many people say before, but because I've always, I've always thought of Palace and Newcastle as quite similar in a sense in terms of, especially in the last few years, in terms of the setup. Um, you know, I think we can both look really bad at times, um, but just sort of seem to accumulate enough points to be safe. You know, you mentioned there, sort of have a ha- have a habit of winning when you need to. I think that's something that both Hodgson and Bruce, um, that's something that they both tend to do. Um, and you obviously mentioned Wilson before. Perhaps he's maybe been papering over a few cracks with, with the goals that he's been scoring. He's obviously proving already what a great signing he was. Um, I was quite envious of that one myself because he is just a natural goal scorer and he is way out there in front for you guys in, in, in that department but you know is there ever a worry about where the goals are going to come from when he isn't firing you know you mentioned Maxman, Almiron, uh, both good attacking players but um, you know not, fi- not quite finding them in there as much as maybe you would like them to. Yeah, definitely. He went off with a bit of a hamstring injury at Southampton, which wasn't great. I think it looked a bit like it was a precaution rather than a, a serious one, uh, which you, you understand when you're 2-0 down. Um, there wasn't much point keeping him on the pitch at that point. But definitely, I think that he's going to be playing every game when he's fit. And um, if he does go go down injured, I think that we saw what happened last year. Uh, Joel Linton playing as the striker, he didn't quite look up to it. Um he looks a little bit better when he plays plays off the wing. Um, still doesn't get many chances, but just seems to be contribute a little bit more. I think Alba and Maximan are both very inconsistent. Um, but yeah, we think Shelby was our top scorer last season with six goals. So that that sh- if we'd have repeated that, I think we would have went down this year. But luckily, we've got Wilson. Um, yeah, so I, I do hope he does stay fit. But if he doesn't, I'm definitely worried about um, where the goal is going to come from. 
Uh, I think Dwight Gale's coming back soon. Uh, you obviously know Gale very well, but when he came in after lockdown, he scored a few goals. And I think that if he he's a good enough backup, I think, to Wilson. I think he, Gale is never going to get 15 goals in the Premier League, but he also always chip in with you know, with a few important ones. And I think if we manage to get a little bit more solid at the back, it, we should have a enough to still win games, even without Wilson. But it's definitely a worry. Um, but the thing about Al Moron and St. Maxman, they're only going to get better. I think they're at that age now where they're not going to you know, get worse in the final third. They're only going to go one way, which which is a positive. And I think that hopefully Joe Ellington, now he's not being relied upon in such a such a big way. He'll improve as well, just off the radar. Every time he does come off the bench or he's, he's played this year, he has looked a lot better and he's contributing a lot more. So hopefully that will... That will lead to goals as well. So I think hopefully we've got enough, but I, I would like another striker. Um, I think it's important that we get Gale back fit because I think he's a a solid squad player in the Premier League. Um, and he, he did get a few goals for us after lockdown. And I think that although Shelby finished as our top goal scorer, I think, he's got, I think Gale's goals per minute was quite good. So hopefully we've got enough there. But yeah, it, it would be a worry if Wilson got injured. I think he's, he's so important to us now. We've seen, seen that so far this season. I think he's been involved in all but two of our goals and, and one of the ones he wasn't involved in was, a, was an own goal. So he, he, he's very important to us and that, that's obvious when you when you watch us play. But um, I think we're, we're close to running out of time. So I just wanted to get your thoughts, Sam, on for, for Player Watch this week on what do you think of uh, your new signings and, and which new signing has stood out most um, so far at the start of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to say Eze after yesterday's performance. Um, I think Nathaniel Kleiner's looks really good since uh, since coming in, considering that he missed all of last season. Uh, Batshuayi hasn't had the rub of the green yet. He's he had a goal disallowed for offside in three consecutive games, and and then we haven't seen Nathan Ferguson or Jack Butland yet. So so Eze is Eze is kind of the one. Um, he is the signing who caught the eye in the summer as well, and sort of most excited fan base. And and while we've seen glimpses of what he can do so far, he's He's had to be quite patient because Jeffrey Schlupp has been been fairly good. He's, he's a reliable player, and Hodgson has favoured him on a few occasions. But but I think yesterday was was the first time a game really suited Eze, and you know he showed his quality and proved that he absolutely is good enough to make a difference at this level. You know his free kick was brilliant. That's the thing that's going to be shared loads on Twitter and and YouTube and whatever. But but aside from that, he just the way he just glides with the ball and is able to get away from defenders so easily, it's it's just really, really nice to watch. Um, I think most importantly, he can be that link between the midfield and the forwards that, that we kind of missed in the last few years. Um, our system doesn't necessarily lend itself to a player like him. Hodgson doesn't really use players in the way that he sort of just gives one individual a license to roam. You know, he likes he likes every single player to be part of the defence, if you know what I mean, that sort of rigid structure that he has. But on yesterday's evidence, Eze is learning more and more about about what Hodgson wants from him. And while he probably will have to defend a little bit more than maybe he might have done in his days at QPR, he is still going to get those opportunities to influence the game going forward, especially when we are in those sort of back and forth matches like yesterday, where we do have a lot of opportunities to counter. Um, and I think he just brings a little bit more quality in that final third. You know, we talk about Zaha, talk about Ayu and Townsend. You know, sometimes going forward, those three, as good as they are, just they can be very sort of head down, charged towards the goal, where Eze, I feel, gets his head up a lot more. Mate was quite thoughtful with his decisions, and it was fairly obvious yesterday. And the way he was linking up with Zaha was 
really exciting to see. So I think if I think if those two can continue to link up in the way that they did, then will be a real big attack, will be a real attacking threat um, in the next few weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone thought Eze was going to going to immediately slot into the first team. We knew he was going to going to need time to make the step up to this level. Um, also, Hodgson doesn't tend to throw in new signings straight away, but what we've been seeing so far from him this season has, has certainly shown why why we were willing to spend quite a lot of money on him. Yeah, I think for Newcastle it's quite self-explanatory. Uh, Callum Wilson spoke about him earlier, so I don't think any more has to be said there. But um, with that, we are now out of time for this week, Sam. So if you'd just like to tell people where they can reach you or anything you've got going on, uh, that'll be a good time. Cheers, Jake. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for hosting. Um, yeah, I'm I'm Sam Carp. I'm a, I'm a Palace fan. Uh, you can find some of my stuff on the Eagles' beak and... I'm also the deputy editor of Sports Pro, so you can find some of my other stuff on there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Sam double underscore cop. Yeah, thanks, Sam. And uh, obviously, you can get me on Twitter at Jack with two ends. You can get the show at EPL Roundtable. Um, and you can also get the other shows we do on this channel. Uh, we have a daily podcast with Dave that you can get on the EPL Index channel. And we have a championship show as well that you can also get. So check both of those out. But yeah, we'd just like to thank Sam again for joining me and uh, thank all of you guys for listening. I hope you join us again next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.